Hello, fellow travelers, and welcome to the Traverse of the Stars podcast. Our my loyal listeners, thank you for your continued support. And remember to click that subscribe button, everybody. What an amazing show for you, because born the mothership is Tara Rosling. You know her as President Trina on Star Trek Discovery. This special interview is brought to you by Cool Waters Productions. Now come on board as we go traversing the stars. Hello, Miss Rosling. Thanks so much for coming to the Traverse of the Stars podcast. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's totally an honor. I, you were fantastic on Star Trek Discovery. It's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you. So I always start off with a question of inspiration. So what inspired you to become an actor and who are your earliest influences? Um, what inspired me? I, um, I don't know. I had, a, I had like an impulse that I wanted to um, take a class when I was 13. And it was a gift from my family. And I had a very good teacher. Um, and I worked with a, a wonderful monologue from a uh, play called Antigone. And I just remember that the experience was um, deeply inspiring for me. And so th through, the, through the process of doing those classes, I just decided that um, it was what I had to pursue. So that, that's, um, that's where I got the bug when I was 13. And my earliest influences, that's such an interesting question because um, I was recently talking to somebody. We didn't have like a, a television when I was little. So I, there, was, there was no actors that I watched as a child and kind of um, was in awe of their work and, or in awe of what they did. Um, my mom was a very artistic person. So I'm sure I was, a, I was around a lot of artistic people. I don't know if many of them were theatrical by nature, but um, certainly she was very supportive of the art. So I think my, my road in kind of came through her, if that makes any sense. No, no, that's fantastic. Um, so when you're talking about the bug and you're at 13 where you got fascinated by acting, what was it about the craft that excited you? Was it being in front of the audience? Was it the spotlight? Was it the monologues? Um, it was the sense of exhilaration I got from doing the work. So the, the there wasn't really an audience. We literally workshopped monologues as a group. There might have been, I don't know, 12 of us and we were all so young, right? <laughs> like, um, so there's not a lot of craft at that point. Uh, it's pure desire, um, uh, but it was something about the way that the teacher taught me slash directed me, um, that something happened while I was working on the monologue. It was one of the most exhilarating things I'd ever experienced. And I think as a child, I mean, we all have our, uh, we all have our um, different baggage that we come through, through life with. And so there was different things that happened to me in my childhood. Um, that acting was, uh, it gave me a voice, it gave me validation, it gave me things that I needed at that age. And I've had to renegotiate my relationship with acting as I've gotten older and as, as, as things have shifted for who I am and what I need. Um, but at that point, um, yeah, it just, it gave me a lot of things I needed. And, and I felt like from that particular class working on that monologue, like my body was on fire. It was kind of the thing where you come out in your body shaking because it was so, it was just um, life altering. Yeah. So when you said that as you got older, you you renegotiated your um, your feeling towards with acting or your ratio with acting. What does that mean exactly? How um, in which ways did it change? Um, well, like as I've as I've gone through my life, I've I've had many experiences. I've gone through a lot of therapy. <laughs> so I've changed as a person. So what I needed from acting initially, which was that it gave me a voice, that it gave me validation. I've 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 found a voice. Um, like I've come into my voice as I've, as I've become older. I feel like I embody myself as I become older. So I don't need it in the same way that I did when I was younger. 
Um, yeah, does that make sense? Oh, it makes total sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I do like that um, discussion of how we mature and that your love stayed the same, but your your feelings towards it or how you approached it changed over, yeah. over your lifetime. Yeah, and I think sometimes it has to a little bit, like as certainly like I'm in my early 50s now and I have a, I have a 13 year old and and so priority shift. It's not that I don't love the work as much as I did, but um, you know, when you're young, it's just like, I will do, I, you know, I waitressed for years and I did theater for free and I did crazy theater and, and it was, uh, I, I would do anything just because I wanted to work. And at this point you go, well, I can't do everything. <laughs> I have to be selective in my choices and I have to think about how that affects my family and blah, blah, blah. So, so yeah, exactly what you're saying is that it's not that your love or devotion uh, to the work um, changes it's that your priorities shift and you have to navigate things in a different mm. way yeah and that's interesting too that your kid is the same age that you were when you first got yeah. acting did the bug yeah. did, the, did the bug hit your child or the no El eliana has done like there's a a local theater company and um they offer classes and workshops but they also cast a show every fall and then um they rehearse it over a couple of months and they perform it at a, at a theater in saint Catharines, which is um, the town nearby or the city nearby that has quite a, a it has a, a center for the performing arts. Um, so she's done that and she's really enjoyed it. I think particularly for the other people that she's worked with, she's really got a kick out of working with, um, you know, just very um, arts oriented or liberally minded young people that have lots of enthusiasm and blah, mm. blah, blah. But um, she hasn't been bit by the bug and and she's had many opportunities, even like with the shot, uh, there's been a couple of times where they've needed young actors and she, she auditioned once, but she has no real um, desire to pursue that path, which I'm kind of relieved about. Like, <laughs> you know, you have to really, it has to, to my way of thinking, it has to be the only thing you want to do because, mm. because it's so hard, right? Like it's so hard to get your foot in the door. It's so hard to deal with all the rejection along the way. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, I, I, I say to people all the time, unless there's unless there's nothing else that you really want to do, then go for it. Mm. And she's well, not at that place. Yeah. <laughs> well, I read that you, know, you received a scholarship to pursue acting at York University where you got a BFA in acting. So what was that experience like for you? How did you find out that I got a scholarship to go to university? <laughs> I do my research. <laughs> um, it was good. Uh you know, York had a very good reputation for their theater department, kind of, it kind of hit its peak prior to the, the time that I was there. Uh, there were some very good professors and um, I learned a lot, although I think, you know, like many things you learn, you learn acting practically. So mm -hmm. most of my education came from when I was actually out working in the world of theater or film and television. Uh, one thing, well, a couple of good things came of it is that um, one of my professors was uh, very well connected with a, a very good agent in Toronto. So he referred me to her. So I had representation right out of school, which was, um, a, you know, a huge bonus. Um, and it brought me to Toronto because I, I grew up on the West Coast. Um, and there's much more, certainly much more theater work in, in Toronto, which when I got out of school, that's that's what I wanted to do. Um, yeah, it was, it was, there were, there's pros and, and cons, you know, in retrospect, I really wish that I'd gone to a conservatory that, that, but I had very good, I had very good grades when I was in high school. So my, my teachers suggested or recommended that I, that I get a degree. I, I've never used it. <laughs> 
<laughs> but uh, you know, my, my education was fine. <laughs> but I think that's really cool. So how did, how you thought about acting in high school and you're so, cause it sounded like kind of a fantastic teacher as well, changed from, from being someone when you uh, pursued it as an actual academic pursuit. Um, well, I think, you know, generally when we're in high school, although I, I, I don't know, I think I always took it seriously because I, because I was so enamored of it and because I had decided that that's what I wanted my vocation to be. I was going to say in theater, it's kind of more casual. Like I'm, I was just teaching some grade tens this, this week. And it's, it's really wild to see the ones that are there because they love it. And the ones that are there because you know, there was no other electives they could find or no other electives. So, so some of them really show up and they're really, really keen. And, and mm. others of the students there, you know, I actually said to a couple of them, are you, maybe you're not really interested. Like maybe you don't really want to, <laughs> maybe you really don't really want to do this one. Mm. Um, so, um, you know, the, of course the education university was much more thorough and much more intense. And we, we had, um, you know, we did uh, the history of theater and we did, um, scene uh, craft, like how you would build a set. And we did, um, um, so it wasn't just acting per se, the, the acting component became um, more intensive, uh, deeper into our studies. So mm -hmm. through um, third year and fourth year. Um, yeah, but I, I was, I was, I think I was always a serious student. So I don't know how, how much it shifted for me from high school to university, because it was always something that I was deeply devoted to, if that, mm. if that makes any sense. And in fact, the high school that I went to, it's called Lord Bing and it's in, in Vancouver. Um, they have a, a very specialized program in, in, in drama. So we did plays every year and we competed in, in drama festivals and we often went on to the finals and, yeah, so we were like very serious thespians from a very young age. <laughs> now, now I read correctly, and my, my research could be wrong, but it might be right, uh, that you're also an expert uh, piano player? Oh, no, not by any means. I wish I was an expert piano player. I, I, decided, I decided to start studying piano when I was, I guess, 46. And I, I tend to do things obsessively. I, I don't know if it's because I'm a Scorpio or it's just, just my nature, but um, uh, I became very, um, yeah, I was, I was uh, very invested in my studies. And so I made it to grade eight in four years, um, but I was practicing like two hours a day. And uh, I don't think it's really um, realistic to, <laughs> be able to continue that unless you've got nothing else on on your plate so so I've, I've I've let it go through the pandemic but I I truly loved studying I think it's an extraordinary instrument and my mom my mom's a she's a pianist my mom's a music therapist uh so she's she studied piano as a child so it was around me a lot growing up so there's no concerts in your future there's no concerts in my future no chopsticks <laughs> I can play you a rousing rendition of Chopsticks. <laughs> well, I, I still think it's fantastic. At 46, you still decided to pursue something completely different and learn another craft. That's, that's actually, that's amazing. That's kind of my nature is that I like to, um, I, I think it's so good for us. I, I mean, I'm very curious by nature and I like to challenge myself. Um, and I think we like, we learn, you know, the, the, the more that we challenge ourselves to learn new things, um, so good for our brain. It's so good for uh, it's, it, just to keep us engaged. 
So I've done, I did, uh, I studied yoga teacher training when I, when just after my daughter was born and I taught yoga for a long time. I started an eco-friendly uh, company called Little Green Shop. Um, and I ran that for a couple of years. So I tend to be very impulsive and, and do things um, uh, a little bit obsessively, but I, but I learn so much from each endeavor and um, yeah, I, I wouldn't have it any other way. So who knows? I don't know. I don't know what my next obsession is. I'll, I'll have to keep posted on that. But uh, yeah. Oh, maybe you'll be a screenwriter. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but I, mean, I think that's awesome. And um, so if, uh, our listeners do know you as um, President Tarina on Star Trek Discovery. Mm-hmm. So how did that, um, how do you get involved with that show? And were you already a fan of Star Trek prior to becoming the President Tarina? Yeah, I have to, I have to say I wasn't a big uh, Star Trek fan prior. I know that that's probably very disappointing. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, I'll blame that partially on the fact that I didn't have a television when I was when I was young. So, um, uh, how did it come about? Um, so, uh, I, I just got like my agent said, I have this audition for you. The turnaround's really really tight. Um, they need the tape uh, by tomorrow. So, um, and we knew that it was Star Trek, although they go by co- a different code name every year. Um, I think it was Tennessee Honey or something. That's what it was called that year. <laughs> That's um, and then, and then it's uh, you know, in the, in the character description, they didn't give me they didn't give me a lot of information. I think she was an admiral. I they didn't tell me she the species. They, I didn't know she was a Vulcan. I certainly didn't know she was a president. Um, and it was it was it was a relatively short scene, so I taped it and submitted it. And then um, the next thing I knew was they wanted me to come in for a prosthetics. Uh, fitting, which was odd because I hadn't been offered the, the part. I'd, I'd, I'd learned that I was pinned, like I was on hold for it. Um, but my agent told me, you know, when I was pinned for the party, he said, I have to tell you, Tara, that there's like at least five women from my roster alone that have been pinned for the part. So he, he was he was telling me not to get my hopes up too high. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the short of the long is uh, on my way in to get to go to the prosthetics fitting, my agent called again and he said, they've offered you the part. But when we went to do the table read, a man came up to me and introduced himself as John Dudkowski. And he said, I'm really pleased you're here. I love your work. And what I learned was, so he was the director of that episode, which was season three, episode seven, Reunification. I believe it was seven. Um, he was the editor on another show I'd been working on called Impulse. So he'd he'd been um, he'd seen my work on Impulse, and I don't know if he asked for me to audition or if he pushed for me to be con- considered. Or I'm not really sure what happened in the in the grand scheme of things. But um, I, I know that that his being the director and that and working on Impulse had something to do with me booking the part. Yeah, That's absolutely awesome. So, what did you think when you were told that you got the role and for Star Trek and it's going to be a Vulcan? Well, I didn't like, they don't, w- when you get the part, like when my agent calls me and says, you booked the part, um, he doesn't tell me it's a Vul- I'm a Vulcan. Like I didn't learn that I was a Vulcan until I actually got the script. <laughs> so I got the script. I don't know. We, we usually get it like a week and a half before we go to camera, maybe two if we're lucky. And, and as I went through, I went, oh, oh, wow. I'm a, Vul- oh my goodness. I'm a president. Um, and I also realized that I had, uh, quite a bit to do in that episode so it was it was all uh, a very like pleasant surprise and it was um, mildly you know terrifying by the same token um, because I didn't realize the significance of of the role and I think initially they didn't 
I think initially they just wanted Trina to live in that episode um, and they didn't plan on carrying her forward. Um, so again, that was a that was a real beautiful gift that they decided to continue her storyline, I guess, well, particularly her and Saru um, through, through season four. Yeah. Well, I, I think one of the great things about the story is uh, Trina, Brother Trina and Saru. I, I think that was one of the it was one of the most interesting, compelling aspects of Star Trek Discovery of the last uh, season or so, seeing that relationship develop. Mm. And I mean, uh, do, did they ever tell you it was that something they were already planning? Was it just the chemistry between the two characters? How, do, do, what information did they give you about that? We all have slightly different versions of the story. So, <laughs> so like when I first met Doug, I was very, he, he was so generous and so lovely on set and 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 put me at ease and and we really really enjoyed working together and i think towards the end of that episode he was like hmm i wonder you know i wonder about the potentiality of this and and whatnot and i think that i think that um the producers did see chemistry i think the audience saw chemistry and um i think doug was excited about um about there being a potential romance for his character. It's such a, it's such a lovely, um, it's just a, a lovely little, different little road for his character mm. to go on, right? Uh, so I'm, I'm not exactly sure how, how it all came to pass, but um, I, think, I think Doug was, was, uh, was really excited about the prospect, yeah. So what do you think it is about Trina and Saru that the characters have such good chemistry with each other. Was it about that relationship? Do you think that works so well? I think um, chemistry is an interesting thing. I think that I think that the chemistry. I mean, that's an interesting question. Does the chemistry exist between Tara and Doug, and and that's part of what makes the connection so so interesting and fascinating? But there is all, also obviously chemistry between between or attraction between Trina and Saru. They're both, I mean, they're both such elegant creatures, aren't they? Mm. <laughs> and, and I mean, they strike me as both being very compassionate, very thoughtful. Trina has to be by nature of being a Vulcan. Mm. Um, and I think there's something about their life experience that there's been some previous um, well, well, Saru talks about what happens to what happened to him in his history and how that um, damaged his capacity to be to be intimate, to be in relationships, but because he saw, you know, such cruelty inflicted on his people. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I just think it's beautifully written, and mm -hmm. it's been, you know, extraordinarily fun to play. It's such a a sweet um, old school romance. Um, and it, it's definitely, you know, it's such a gift to act with Doug. So we have we have tremendous fun playing all those scenes together. Is it difficult acting across from? Because he has that Doug has to wear all the prosthetics on his face. Mm -hmm. I mean, definitely alter completely his appearance and everything. Does that alter how you act against against someone like that? Because because you lose some of the initial facial features and reactions as you would. Um, no, because the the way that the the way that the mask is built and the way that Doug, uh, Doug is just such a gifted actor um, that the mask just comes to life. So I don't feel like I'm, I don't, I feel like I, you, it, it, it's, 
it's pretty extraordinary acting opposite Doug. Like you just look into his eyes and he's present and he brings you to the present. And so, um, no, there's so much, there's so much life there. I, I, I don't miss a beat with him. You know, he's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's really delightful what, what, what he's able to do in those prosthetics. Now, what do you think, where do you see the relationship going? Like, do you see this as being like a long-term thing that they'll get, keep developing? Are you in next season and have already, and already know this answer? Um, I'm, I, I, I'm not allowed to say anything about next season. <laughs> if, if, you, if you could, um, you know, just guess where your character would go, you think with Saru in this area, where do we think he would be headed? Well, I think if I had to guess, um, I think they'll keep exploring their the romance and the attraction to one another and see if 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 you know if they're able to to move forward or if their professional lives um, get in the way too much. Hmm. That's interesting. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to see if I can pull more information out of you. And I'm not <laughs> no, I, I, I am a big fan of us. I'm a fan of all Star Trek, but Discovery I I, I credit Discovery with bring me back to star trek mm. you know um there's a time you know i watched it around you know a lot with deep space nine um and you know star trek next generation things of that nature but kind of like fell away from star trek for a while and i i, I credit discovery with bringing me back and part oh, of it was cool. yeah how great the characters were yeah. so like i said so i i kind of want to just like peel that information away like just tell me what's going on next season just tell me <laughs> <laughs> no and like um Sinek was another extraordinary actor yeah. she's She's, um, I don't know if, if anybody's told you uh, aspects of her, of her character, but like when you, you know, when I was first cast on the show, there was no pandemic. So you'd still do a table read. Now we do all those reads on Zoom, Zoom calls. But, um, you know, where I met John at that first read through, there's this stunning woman who walks into the room and she goes around the table to every single person and she's like hi welcome i'm so happy you're here oh that's cool you know i'm like who 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 is that and you realize it's Sinequa. and um like as a number one she's uh she has the most gracious um energy is so so thinks of the the entire team actors crew members um as a family um she's completely um yeah she's just they're so lucky to have her as a number one she mm. she's extraordinary um so I, I wonder if that's part of what drew you back to, to to star trek your love your love of discovery is 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 her as burnham and um i mean there's so many lovely actors on the show I, that's go ahead i would say i mean i, I think I, I would say my favorite some of my favorite characters um my favorite character probably is saru i mean there's such depth to his character and there's you know this and I, and I think like the earlier Saru where, where he had that um fear and you know that kind of like the whole prey personality yeah someone you know as a younger kid who's someone who used to get bullied and whatnot so seeing a character like that who's like pushing through anyway I'm thinking to myself that's mm -hmm. a fascinating character and mm -hmm. he has such heart and you can just kind of like feel it come off the screen yeah 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 and 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 one of the gifts of working on the show is that heart is present um everywhere mm. like the, the it's 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 such a beautiful it's such a beautiful energy and vibe on the show uh, unlike any other any any other set that i've set foot on pardon mm. the double set set um and uh 
particularly during a pandemic when it's such, you know, it's a ta- it's such a taxing time for everybody. Mm. There's such underlying uh, anxiety um, in the world on set. Like, do you? Are we, <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's a it's a it's been a true gift to work on the show over the past two years yeah i i've had the great the fortune to interview a couple of the people some people from the show um yeah patrick um Oyen, yeah uh, a, few, a few of the others and they're always just good people they're just such yeah. like good noble people absolutely absolutely yeah so going back a little bit to uh to trina a little bit so when you finally found out you were going to be a vulcan and uh, of all of all the species in discovery vulcans are like the coolest also, yeah the, and the most esteemed <laughs> and you know i mean and, and, and i mean the most connected to star trek i mean if you're a fan of star trek other than maybe the klingons the start the vulcans are the ones that everyone has a strong feeling towards because they mm. are such a integral part of the whole franchise mm. and now you are the representative on discovery for the most part of vulcans right now mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so how much pressure did it did you feel when you found out and just how important they were to the entire franchise um, you know, being naive about the world of Star Trek, I didn't take any of that pressure on. Probably <laughs> <laughs> for the best. No, you know what? I did have a lot of anxiety just because the show is so well known. There's such a legacy connected to Star Trek. Um, you know, I, and I, I set foot on, I, I set foot on the, the, the set and, you know, there's three cameras and, and the, the material is so, um, it's all high stakes, right? Like none of it's really naturalistic. It, it it's, it's, uh, so, so I had, I was really, really nervous my first day on set. Um, but I didn't carry, I didn't feel that I carried pressure in terms of a representative of the Vulcan species. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Maybe it's good that I was naive. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when you finally decided to be a Vulcan, where did you look for your inspiration on how to approach it? Mm -hmm. Um, I guess I approached it, like I'm familiar with with Spock and and the legacy of Spock, Um, but I approached it uh, internally. Um, I was speaking to someone about this recently Um, because I am a very emotional person by nature. Um, So to find the the filter of logic, to find the the mindfulness, um, the stoicism, the the ability to to not be impulsive and reactionary, um, I look to Buddhism. Um, and it's interesting too because in a lot of the well a few of the early scenes you see them you see them meditating and and buddhism is this this very um highly disciplined mind practice in meditation uh so that you cultivate the ability to not attach to every thought or emotion um thought that passes through the mind or emotion that passes through your entity because that tugs us in all different directions. And so, and so by, by zoning in on that, I was able to find this, um, the center of stillness and discipline. Uh, and that's my access point for Trina. You know, and to this day, I will get on set and I will do my take, which I think is, you know, very Vulcan and, and very, um, um, 
very logical. And then they'll say, that was great. Now, can you please vulcanize it? <laughs> like that's, that's, that's the direction I always get. And I don't know ultimately which take that they will use in editing, but they always want to air or, or they always want to have that in the back pocket as, as the very Vulcan take. Um, but I believe I've said this before, and I think it's true. It was a long time ago, I believe, in the script. It said she was also part human. Oh, okay. I didn't know so, that. So I felt that I had liberty to play a little bit with some undertones, with some undercurrents of, of not emotion, but feeling, feeling mm. the feeling. And she actually says it when she's with Book in, it was early season four, when Book is, is being torn apart by his grief. And he asks her for advice. And she says, it's not that we don't feel the feelings, it's that we've cultivated the ability to live, to live over top of the feelings. Mm. Um, so, so I took that to heart. Yeah, and I think that's interesting about Vulcans, and I'm playing a Vulcan in my opinion, because I mean, like on the surface, it seems like very stoic, very serious, and but there's so much going on underneath that you can you know to, to do it well you mm -hmm. can't just be the robot because no one cares if you were just a robot yeah and everything you put in it has to be so subtle and you do such a good job with it with your character mm. how much time did you think about how to just like put in those moments those like kind of just something either in your eye or i mean like you're you know, a, a minute of an expression to convey that emotion because it's there but sa same time keep it vulcan kind of stoic I think that that is the combination of where I, Tara, meet the character Trina, where I, the, the very, the very emotional human being, meet that 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 filter of of discipline and logic. And so, for me, it's virtually impossible not to feel a feeling. I'm very, um, I'm very empathetic, <laughs> um, and so, and so, even in my even in my trying to harness or corset or or bridle something, uh, something still flicker flicker through. And it's not that I'm like, oh, I'm going to place that there, or I'm going to try to portray that there. It just happens, I think, with the um, the juxtaposition of the two energies. There, and I like how you approach it almost like Buddhism. Because I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought, you know, I wouldn't have made that kind of in my head. Because you would think once again, science, logic, but Buddhism seems to be the the door in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's I think that's awesome. Oh, thank you. And and I think and, and I think my favorite episode with with your character uh, was "Choose to Live." I think the one that you referenced, where um, once again you had Booker played by David. We get the name wrong. Ajala. Ajala. Yeah. Thank you. I'm so bad with names. Whoever's <laughs> <I apologize laughs> listening. And the thing I think that's interesting is that you have a character that um, is dealing with PTSD, and uh, Trina is there to try to help working through those feelings and emotions. Mm -hmm. So how important is it for you to be in a show that deals with these big issues and finds a way to kind of, I mean, in a very interesting way of talk about and discuss it and still, you know, with entertainment as well. But Star Trek seems to do a great job of dealing with these ideas like PTSD um, and some other issues as well as, as the show goes along. Um. I don't know. I don't. I don't ever really think about like I wouldn't select shows on basis of on a basis of um, the issues they deal with per se. Like I think thematically, thematically, I love the things that 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 Star Trek 
explores mm. the universality, the, the quest for, you know, for meeting in a, in a peaceful, in a peaceful way. Um, um, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's tremendous that it, that it chooses to deal or grapple with so many, um, you know, relevant issues. Um, but more often than not, you know, we audition for a show, we get it, and then and then we're like, okay, so this is these are my lines, and how am I going to find my way into the character and say my lines with conviction and truth? And so, so um, yeah, I don't really, I don't really have the, um, um, I don't, I don't choose, I don't choose my work on the, on the basis of issues that they're exploring. Um, I mean, sometimes we work on things that are that really, really speak to us mm. on a fundamental on a fundamental level, and and we never know until we're working on it, and and then we're swept away by it. But um, yeah, sorry, I don't have a, a more articulate response to that question. Oh, absolutely, no worries. And the great thing about Star Trek, as well as we kind of mentioned, is that the fan base is large, um, is embracing. Mm -hmm. I mean, everyone in Star Trek, especially you know when you have you know a character in Star Trek. You immediately have this fan base that's just automatically just embraces you mm -hmm. and you know is, is excited about what you're doing so how does it feel like being to be part of that large new family of sci-fi star trek geeks <laughs> oh it's so it's overwhelming it's overwhelming like i had no idea um and um and and, and you know there's aspects of it that are that are very exciting and and it's it's and it's it's kind of wonderfully moving when, when people reach out and they're and 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 they love your work and they love how you're portraying this or they love the romance or like it's it's um it's really lovely and you know i've only done two conventions so far i did vegas a couple summers ago and i and i went to italy in the spring and um i have to say it's been a complete pleasure to engage with with anyone who has who has approached me um there's just such pure enthusiasm and joy. Uh, so, yeah, initially I was kind of taken aback <laughs> just because I had no idea what to expect, right? And 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 now I just find it really, really sweet, really, really sweet. Yeah. So the conventions that you're that you're a part of that's set up by Cool Waters Productions, is that correct? That's right. Yeah. So so what was it like to be at your at the first convention? I mean were the fans you know as you know did you have just people just talking about you and asking you like all the questions like in episode blah 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 um no i have to say the first one was very weird and overwhelming and i'm gonna say why it was overwhelming because it was a really big convention in vegas and i find vegas period overwhelming like that that the, the town is insane right it was and i think it was 40 degrees like it felt like you were in a pizza oven and plus <laughs> you're in the middle of a pandemic so everybody's walking around with a mask on and then and that's one of the things that made the convention itself sur uh, surreal is that you're in a mask there's plexiglass the fans are in masks so even if you're uh, you know, posing for a photo op or something. It's like everybody <laughs> like, just feels sort of, um, yeah. So, so that aspect was, was, was bizarre, but you know, people, they'll just come up and they'll say, I really love your work or I really enjoy, I really enjoy Trina or one woman even came like in cosplay and she had Trina's beautiful blue oh, dress wow. on. Like that was really, really wild to, to see. Um, yeah, and then when I went to the one in Italy, it was very, it's a very small um, convention. I think there was like 10 guests 
and the most eclectic mix you would ever imagine. There was the first uh, Italian astronaut. There was a like a woman who was probably in her 70s, a stunt woman from LA. There was the man who invented Darth Vader's mask. There was an Italian actress who she dubs in Tilly's voice. Like it was like a bizarre, you know. Um, and it was it was uh, it was very low key. It didn't feel uh, as high pressure. Although Vegas probably felt more high pressure just because it was my first overall, um, and I had no idea what to expect. Um, but, but again, like any fan, just so lovely to meet them. Yeah. So you think there's gonna be more in your future? I expect so. Um, you know, uh, I'm happy to go, I'm happy to go overseas anytime. <laughs> well, I mean, if you happen to be in the next season of Discovery, it's also a great way to advertise that season. If you happen to be the one who's in it, you know, just throw it up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If I happen to be. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to get a, a confirmation. See, I tried to slip yeah, it in there yeah, somehow. I'm, 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 I, yeah, I'm on to you. I'm on to you. <laughs> so, so um, what is next for you? Good question. I mean, that's the life of an actor. You never really know, right? You're 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 um, a self-employed freelance artist. Um, uh, I, you know, as my uh, as my agent gets auditions for me, I I submit myself, and and you never really know what's next. Um, I'm contemplating doing some more theater work. I haven't quite decided yet because uh, the worlds are so very different. I do miss theater. Mm. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know what's next. I don't have anything lined up right now. Um, I'm all well, I'm doing some. Uh, I do a. Uh, this is so low key. You're just gonna laugh, but every year I do. Um, there's a Jeanette Winterson short story called The Mistletoe Bride. So I'll be performing that in local venues in Niagara on the Lake. And it's a fundraiser for a woman's shelter. So that's, oh, that's, that's awesome. what I, yeah, that's what I know is next. It's like a ghost story, um, Christmas story, solstice sto story. And uh, yeah. yeah, so that's, that's what's on the docket next. So for our, for our listeners, how can they find um, that? Sh the, the, you said it's called Mistletoe, correct? The Mistletoe Bride. Yeah, they'd, Mistletoe have, bride. To come, they'd have to come to the Niagara region. Well, it's, it's probably worth be, it. Yeah, it'll be at Silversmith Brewery. It'll be at um, Angel's Gate Brewery, and it'll be at a local brewery in town called uh, the Irish the Irish Harp. Yeah, you know, I, I can just imagine Star Trek fans will find a way. <laughs> <laughs> they, they will seek this out. Yeah, I'll sign photos afterwards. And uh... <laughs> oh my God, the line now that you're getting to be like, what is coming to <laughs> this area? <laughs> well, Miss Rosalind, it was a total pleasure to talk with you and an honor. Thank you so much. Oh, my my pleasure, Jeff. It was a real pleasure to meet you and speak with you. Thank yeah. you so much. Thanks. You as well.